The following was recorded live on Free Comic Book Day. Hello and welcome to the first ever live recording of WMQ&A, the official podcast of the WMQ Comics website. Uh, I'm your host, Dan Grote. Uh, real quick, for those of you who aren't familiar, WMQComics.com is a comics news site. We offer all kinds of previews, reviews, interviews, plain old views, uh, as well as a podcast, WMQ&A, which is what we're recording here today on Free Comic Book Day at Level Up. Uh, but enough preamble, let's get to our guests. Uh, why don't you guys go around the horn and introduce yourselves? Uh, so my name is Roy Okupe, and I am the CEO and also lead writer at um, Unique Studios. And uh, we basically do um, superhero fantasy and sci-fi comic books that are inspired by African history, mythology, and also African culture. I was born and raised in Lagos, Nigeria, and growing up, um, I always wanted to create um, superhero stories that were inspired by my culture. And um, after I got a chance to move to the United States, I was able to, um, you know, get on the wave of the, the whole superhero explosion in the movies and theaters and, and um, also with comics as well too. So I decided that it, you know, it was about time that I brought something different to the table and um, everything has kind of been great since then. All right. Mark? Uh, my name is Mark Bolton. Uh, I'm a writer artist. I work for DC Comics, Image Comics, Arcana Studio. Uh, my latest book is an all-ages horror graphic novel that I wrote with my seven-year-old son. It's called uh, The Pizza Tree. Uh, let's start with a couple general questions. Uh, when did each of you guys decide, okay, comics, that's going to be my thing as far as you know, writing, uh, writing and or drawing them? Um, I originally started writing uh, around early 2000s. Uh, first I started as a screenwriter, um, but comics was always my love. Uh, I optioned a screenplay back in 2001 called Give Me Back My Stuff, which was uh, during the height of the, the teen comedy era. Uh -huh. And uh, just dealing with that in development for years and nothing ever happening with it, I decided to uh, just go back to comics where I felt like I had more control over the project. Um, by 2006, I had my own uh, creator-owned uh, series, Coney Waves. And from that, I just sort of uh, built a name for myself. Yes, um, so for me, I actually kind of got into um, comics the same way. I was trying to get an animation done for um, one of my original screenplays. Um, ironically, that's actually my first book, EXO, The Legend of Wally Williams. And I just couldn't get anywhere. Um, I did a, a, a eight-minute animated short, and I pitched that around to pretty much every everybody that that, that was willing to listen. Um, but for two years, I was just lost in, you know, the nebulous environment of trying to get something into, you know, into the movies, theaters, or TV. And um, I just decided, look, um, comics gives me more control over uh, putting out things. Um, it's much cheaper. Um, so I, I, I started a Kickstarter and um, you know, I was able to raise enough money to do my first graphic novel and I've not looked back since then. Okay. Um, we're going to spend a little, each uh, little time with each of our guests, uh, but you know, guys, feel free to jump in at any point. Um, Roy, you've got uh, you know, your own company, you've got Unique yeah. Studios, mm -hmm. uh, which actually put out one of the 50 books available uh, this free comic book day, right. uh, Malaika, Creed and Fury. Yes. Uh, talk a little bit about how, uh, how and why you started uh, Unique. Yeah, um, so for me, like personally growing up in Lagos, Nigeria, you don't get to see a lot of uh, fantasy, superhero, or even sci-fi stories that are based on um, African, African characters. I mean, we have the Black Panther, but that's pretty much, you know, if you're not like hardcore comic book fan, you can't name five African-born superheroes that exist in the mainstream. 
um, apart from Black Panther. There's, yeah. I mean, there, and there's some. There's, Vixen. I mean, that's Vixen, pretty much yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Storm um, as well, too. Um, so I, I saw it more as an opportunity uh, to be able to, uh, you know, bring something different. And also for, there's a lot of people, and I think the Black Panther movie actually proves that, that actually do want to see, um, you know, more diverse storytelling, um, do want to see um, the African continent shown a different light that, than it is shown in the mainstream media. I think when you see, uh, look at Africa on, on maybe like CNN or the case may be, they focus a lot on the negative stuff um, and not that we shouldn't talk about some of the issues that Africa is dealing with, but there's a different side that you don't get to see every day. And being someone that was born and raised in the continent, I really wanted to show that side. Um, but I wanted to do it through entertainment and not just through um, something that looked like, you know, you know, I was trying to push an agenda, so to speak. Um, mm -hmm. um, so via the super, I felt like the superhero context or the fantasy context was a very, um, very, very unique way to not only entertain but also educate people, and that's that's how I started Unique Studios. Okay, and uh, a lot of your comics are set in uh, near future Nigeria. It's, yes, uh, 2024. 2025. Yeah. Well, 2025. Yes. Yeah. Um, the comic that you have today is yeah. about uh, an, a, an ancient superhero right. from 500 years ago who yes. now wakes up in 2025 yes. Nigeria. Yes. Um, what does a person from 500 years ago see in a near future Nigeria? What is you know, what does that look like? Yeah, so that's also one of the things that, um, you know, I like to... So all my characters take place within the same universe. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's something that we've seen Marvel do, um, DC Comics as well. Um, you know, but for me, the most fascinating thing is, is just what Marvel Studios is doing with their movies in mm -hmm. a way where um, they're not only pulling in comic book fans, but they're also pulling in just regular people that just want to enjoy a great movie. Um, so what I'm trying to do is replicate that with my graphic novels, where it's like you have all these characters in the same universe, but each character has their own ongoing story that um, people, if you want a fantasy, you can get the fantasy stories. If you want a sci-fi, you can get sci-fi stories. But if you were someone that wanted to consume everything, you get rewarded because you're able to see the full spectrum of storytelling, which I'm giving. So the Malaika series actually takes place in pre-colonial West Africa. So that's in the 15th century. Okay. Um, so part one and part two of the books tell her story from there um, and then the EXO story takes place in the near future which is 2025 mm -hmm. what this um, free comic book day uh, book does is bring both um, stories together where it's like Malaga has been thrust 500 years into the future and she's trying to use the same methods that she used 500 years ago to solve the issues of the present whereas it from um, Fury which is from the EXO series mm -hmm. is more like you know trying to show Malaga that Although you have the right mind to do things, a lot of things have changed from 500 years ago. So here's two heroes split apart 500 years, trying to do things their way. But at the end of the day, they have to come together and compromise to be able to defeat, um, you know, uh, this evil that um, is just wrecking havoc um, in town as well. So it's just it's a huge, it's a great dynamic of having um, because most of the time when you see heroes. Everything comes together so nicely and they solve issues, but that's not really how it is. Even though people want to be good, mm -hmm. when you have different opinions, there's clashes. Uh, there's people having different ways to do things, and I think that's the dynamic that you have in this book as well, too. Uh, you moved to the States when you were 17, right? Yes, I do. Do you still go back to, to Nigeria? Oh, yes, yes. I, I go back at least once a year. Okay. Yeah. What is the, uh, what's the next project that you have coming out of me, uh, Unique? Uh, so the next project is actually uh, it's, it's the volume three of EXO. Um, so like I said, each character has their own ongoing series. Mm -hmm. um, and now, because I have five graphic novels out, 
you're now starting to see more of a coherent universe where characters are appearing in different books. So Malaika is actually going to be involved in three of EXO. Mm -hmm. And um, again, it's more of that fusing fantasy and sci-fi together within the same book that, that provides something that's very unique. Um, moving on to uh, Mark, you just had your latest kids graphic novel come out. Uh, you can talk about a little bit about that. Sure. Uh, Mythical, uh, Mythical Creatures was a book I did for Arcana Studio. Um, it was a joint venture between uh, the governments of Canada and New Zealand, um, originally done as an animated pilot to uh, promote their, their culture and mythology. Um, Arcana brought me in to do story consulting, and we since Arcana also has a publishing division, we took the art from the animated pilot and uh, translate, transferred it to a uh, graphic novel form. But it's about a little boy who uh, loves video games. Uh, his mom's always encouraging him to get away from the TV, go outside and play. Uh, he finally uh, takes her up on that to spite her and runs away. And he goes on this incredible journey uh, through the Canadian wilderness, uh, ends up in New Zealand and he has to track down with some new friends he made, the Raven, who will help him find his way home. Okay. Um, Canada and New Zealand, kind of, you know, as countries, they're kind of oceans apart, both yeah. literally and, and figuratively. Um, I know you mentioned this was an adaptation from an animated project, but, you know, was there any sort of research involved on, on your end? Uh, a lot. Um, <laughs> coming from the States, I had no no idea about their their culture so I had to do a lot of research um, the different uh, tribes in Canada um, as well as all the all the different creatures from New Zealand it was um, it was a lot of research but also a lot of fun because I, I love um, like supernatural mythological stuff like that um, you've been involved in children's lit for a few few years now uh, you've got a cat named Haiku you've got pizza tree uh, all for Arcana uh, what kind of moved you into uh, you know this kind of subgenre of literature? Um, I was always a fan of uh, children's books. Um, when I go to uh, like Barnes and Noble, I find myself looking through the kids' graphic novels more than uh, the, the adult ones. I, I don't know. I just I find there's more imagination there. And when I first started with a cat named Taiku, um, just so happened my wife was pregnant with our our son Chase. Um, so it was just like a, a perfect. Uh, time for me to, to move into a, a new genre. Um, uh, a cat named Haiku came out in 2010. It was one of my, at the time it was my best reviewed uh, book and we went on to do three more volumes of it. Uh, we did um, an anthology series where we had uh, Tom King, um, uh, tons of other, uh, Sterling Gates, uh, all contribute haikus to it. Uh, and now it's in development uh, as an animated film. There's an animated short on YouTube, uh, Haiku's uh, voiced by Kiefer O'Reilly, who was um, Rip Hunter's son on uh, DC's Legends oh, of Tomorrow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, his dad's also the owner of Arcana Studio, so it was, uh, <laughs> it was a perfect fit. Um, but uh, yeah, I just love writing, uh, love writing for kids. Um, I mentioned my son Chase. He was uh, a big part in the, in the pizza tree. Mm -hmm. It was actually uh, his idea. We were a couple of years ago. We were out to dinner, uh, having pizza. Of course, it's our my son and I. We, we love pizza. Uh, and he said, "Dad, I know where pizza comes from." I was like, "Oh yeah, really? Where?" And he was like, "It's simple. You take a slice of pepperoni, plant it in the ground, and a pizza tree grows." 
And I was like, oh my gosh, that's the, uh, that's the most brilliant, brilliant thing ever. That needs to be a book. And uh, once I finished up some other projects, uh, Chase and I got started on Pizza Tree. We worked on it together. Um, I actually did all the layouts for the book. And, and then we met uh, Ryan Onorado, our artist. And once we brought him on board, uh, it was just, uh, it was a perfect fit. Uh, he really uh, brought our story to life. And it's probably my, my favorite, probably my biggest accomplishment releasing a book with my son, because we self-published it too. It was through our kind of studio, but um, we handled all the printing, mm -hmm. delivering to, to Diamond, everything. And it's been such a great experience. We've gotten to travel all over the country. We signed at San Diego Comic-Con, Baltimore. We've been all over promoting the book, and the, the reception's been incredible. We're almost ready to go to a second printing because we're almost sold out of the, out of the stock. That's fantastic. Uh, as far uh, as far as Chase's, you know, obviously he had the idea. Um, you know, was he directly in, like? I'm, I, I'm kind of picturing him at the computer scripting <laughs> or, or just dictating to you. Um, uh, how you know? How did that? How is that dynamic? So uh, I, I took the lead on the project, but uh, <laughs> but he he was uh, he was uh, outside of my wife. He's my biggest critic. Um, he he took direction. Uh, he actually the in the book. There's early sketches. He drew the, the first sketches of Pizza Tree. And to see how much it looks like the, the Pizza Tree in the book is amazing. Uh, first, it started out with a, a tree, regular tree with like green leaves and then some pizzas on top. And then it turned into a tree with no leaves. The pizza slices were the leaves. And, and that was him. Um, but he would add ideas, like I would, I would be working on the story, and he was like, we need to add zombies, Dad. I was like, oh, of course, we have to add zombies. <laughs> so I have to rack my brain to figure out where, to, where we can fit in the zombies, and uh, it's been a lot of fun working with him. He, he's a, he's a, a fountain of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome, and you know, uh, kids' graphic novels are really, they're really an emerging market in the industry. You know, if you look at some of the stuff that graphics and First, Second, and Arcana are putting out, you know, it's, it's that, I think that's where the potential is to kind of lure in the, the next generation of readers coming up. Uh, and you've got you've got your own imprint at Arcana, right? Yeah, it's um, Artistic Comics. Um, it, uh, Pizza Tree was our first release. Uh, it's doing really well for us. Uh, not sure what the second the follow up will be to it, but uh, it, it's it's done really well so far. You just got to take Chase out for pizza a couple more times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, in your career, you've gotten to work on three different books with Rob Liefeld, uh, Evangeline Brigade, and Savage Hawkman. How did you get to make that connection? Uh, well, uh, growing up uh, a comic fan in the 90s, Rob Liefeld was the guy. He was my favorite artist. Um, he inspired me to want to make comics. Um, by the time I broke into the industry, it was... Uh, 2006, Rob wasn't really doing much. He was kind of in semi-retirement. Uh, semi um, but he, every now and then on uh, Mark Millar's uh, message board, there was the Rob Liefeld appreciation thread. And he would <laughs> pop in and talk to his fans. But eventually, like, there was too many people um, giving Rob a hard time, as they tend to do. <laughs> so Rob was like, hey, guys, I'm going to just go start my own message board. Follow me over there. So like, through that, Rob and I became good friends, and he was a huge supporter of like my early work, Cooney Waves, and, and stuff like that. And uh, one day, it was um, it was like Thanksgiving Day 2007. I got a call from a number I didn't recognize. I answered it, and I was like, hello? And I hear, Colton, it's Liefeld. What's up? 
<laughs> and he talked my ear off for like two hours, and he told me he wanted to bring um, Evangeline back, and he wanted me to be the writer for it. Um, and that project, it took forever to get off the ground. I would always uh, like remind him, email him, kind of pester him, and say, like, Rob, when are we going to do Evangeline? And he was like, it's coming, it's coming. Uh, uh, he would nickname me the squeaky wheel because I would always <laughs> always keep reminding him about it. And uh, he, he would just give me other assignments in the meantime. Like I did Brigade. Um, I did the Blood Strike uh, backup story that was an Image United, uh, ill-fated Image United series. Um, and then eventually uh, I just sort of uh, grabbed the ball. Uh, I, I met an artist, Owen Jenny, who's style I thought was phenomenal. I thought it would be perfect uh, for Evangeline to kind of take it away from the, the 90s look that people had uh, associated it with mm -hmm. and more of a, a, a current style. And I, and I showed it to Rob and Rob loved it and said he wanted to see some samples. Well, Owen just said, send me your script. And he just started drawing pages and never stopped. <laughs> and Rob finally gave us the green light. So we did, uh, did Evangeline. And around the same time, Rob was doing um, a bunch of work for DC. He was doing Hawk and Dove, and they handed him over um, the reins to Deathstroke, uh, Grifter, and Hawkman. And he told DC that if they wanted him to do all these books, he was going to have to bring in some help. And they said, who did you want to work with? And he said he wanted to work with me. And DC actually agreed to it. So <laughs> <laughs> I started us uh, scripting Hawkman with Rob. It's awesome. Uh, finally, uh, you mentioned in our initial uh, emailing back and forth, you're working on a project with the son of Dee Snyder from Twisted Sister? Yeah, that's right. Um, around the time I was uh, working on Evangeline, I was trying to think what my follow-up series would be. And I had this uh, idea for... Um, it originally started out as Thor. Uh, uh, I thought he looked so much like James Hetfield. I was like, oh, Thor <laughs> as a heavy, a heavy metal uh, lead singer would be awesome. And then I started thinking about, well, who's more heavy metal than Thor? His dad, Odin. And I was like, this needs to be a family band. So uh, originally it was called Odin and the Gods of Rock, and it's about Odin, Loki, and Thor as the world's greatest heavy metal band. Love it. But, uh, I, and I pitched it to uh, Jesse, who I didn't know at the time. I just knew his background um, in comics, and that his father was D, and he, Jesse has a musical background as well. And I uh, messaged him on Facebook and said, hey, I know you don't know me, but I think we should work together. And he was like, a lot of people want to work with me. And I was like, well, just hear me out. Are you going to be at a New York Comic Con? And he was like, yeah, I'll be there. And he goes, well, I'm doing a signing with Rob Live, but I had to name drop it just to yeah. like, build myself up. I was like, why don't you swing by the image booth and uh, I'll talk to you about it. So he stopped by, I, I pitched him to it. He thought it was hilarious. And he said, um, there's only one thing. Can Jesus be the bad guy in this series? I was like, Perfect. <laughs> and uh, we tweaked it a bit. It's no longer Odin and the Gods of Rock. It's uh, King of Kings. And it's a battle of the band between all the different religions, battling it out to see who is the, the supreme religion. So you have North, Norse mythology versus uh, Christianity, atheists, uh, uh, Scientology, all sorts of different <laughs> religions battling it out, all representing a different genre of music. Uh, the great thing is his dad's gotten involved in the project. Uh, Jesse and Dee recorded a, a single to go along with the comic book called Fight to the Death, where uh, Dee voices Odin, Jesse voices Thor, uh, 
we're going to launch an Indiegogo campaign in about a, a week, and Dee dressed up as Odin for our video. That's that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, yeah. Growing up like a huge 80s heavy metal fan, just to have uh, Dee Snyder for Puss's sister involved in it is amazing. Uh, I am curious, what genre does the atheist band represent? <laughs> so he's kind of um, like a Frank Zappa uh, experimental music. <laughs> that tracks. <laughs> um, so uh, both you guys, the companies that you work for are kind of unique, uh, you know, have animation arms. Uh, you know, in this age where, you know, we see kind of companies buying up uh, comics publishers like DC with Marvel, you know, uh, or excuse me, Disney with Marvel, uh, Warner's with DC, and then just recently DMG with Valiant. How vital is it? This is kind of a business battle question, you know, from your perspective that, you know, indie publishers kind of work to kind of control the vertical as well as the horizontal with respect to kind of, you know, making sure that their IP is also getting out there in, in other forms of media. I mean, I think it's I think it's extremely important. Um, this in this day and age, I don't think you can rely just solely on one medium, whether that's only comics or only doing graphic novels. I think uh, you have to look at a wide spectrum of things. You have to look at comics. You have to look at animation. You have to look at gaming. You have to look at merchandising. You have to look at toys, um, because it's it's not only um, the industry is not only saturated. It's extremely competitive. Um, you know, so um, I know, especially for me, and what I'm trying to do unique is that we're setting up these IPs in a way that they can easily be ported into any one of these um, different mediums. And um, I mean, acquisition is a big thing right now, but I think also what people have to look at is the right type of acquisition. Um, I feel like um, if you look at the Disney Marvel partnership, I think that was an excellent bridge to just bring together things that it, it was just like a perfect fit um, you know so I've also seen acquisitions go the opposite way where um, you know a parent company purchases whether that's an independent company and then they don't know the material well enough to be able to promote it in the right way so there's all, all sorts of things that go into that so um, yeah I mean definitely I think positioning your IP in, in a way that it can be in different mediums is important but I also think that um, you know you also have to read that fine line between um, getting paid and keeping elements of control where it's like your creations don't go the way um, you know go the way that you envision them to as well so it's a very very difficult balancing act but um, it, it's it's something that um, I think you know there's a reason why we're seeing a lot of it right now especially with the admin of social media and also um, video on demand, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, yeah. content is king right now, so um, people are trying to see which ones they can grab up quickly. Yeah, when, um, when I started working with Arcana Studio, the owner, Sean O'Reilly, always stressed upon me, they weren't just a comic book publisher, they were a transmedia company. Yeah. Uh, they weren't just making books, they were making an animation. The big picture was for him to eventually open up his own studio in Vancouver, which he has, and with that, uh, they work with other studios like Shout Factory or Lionsgate, but they do all the animation in-house. They, they have huge control over over that, the final product. Um, it started off with uh, the Howard Lovecraft films mm -hmm. uh, with Lionsgate. Uh, the first two have already been released. The third one comes out uh, uh, this fall. Uh, the Steam Engines of Oz, which comes out in June, I think, through... Uh, 
Lionsgate. Um, my book, A Cat Named Haiku, is in development. Uh, just uh, the great thing is, they're an animation studio, but they have this great uh, library of intellectual properties that they can uh, they can go back to to, um, to to find like their next their next big thing. Um, they have over 10 years in the industry, so there's there's over 300 graphic novels uh, in their library, uh, thousands of characters to choose from, and the great thing is it's, it's all under their all under Sean's control. He can yeah. he can pick and choose. He can uh, everything from the the screenplay to the final product, how these characters look on screen. It's all under, it's all through him. He gets the final say. It's awesome. Um, I didn't mention this earlier, but Arcana also is one of the publishers that has a free comic book day uh, book out. It's a Howard Lovecraft book. Um, just throwing that in there. Uh, Mark, you're a veteran of the con circuit in New Jersey. Um, and, you know, April, obviously a huge month for, for shows around here. Uh, do you feel like the proliferation of shows these past, past five years or so has benefited uh, you as far as kind of getting your name and your work out there? Yeah, I've noticed like the, the last five years, uh, the more conventions I go, the more people, they might not know my name, but they'll recognize the book. Uh, they'll be like, Cat Named Taiku, Pizza Tree. I, 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 where do I know these from? And I'm just out there every, it seems like almost every week uh, nowadays, yeah. uh, doing a convention. Um, you said like con season started up in April. There was uh, Camden Con, uh, East Coast Comic Con, there was a Comic Con in Atlantic City. Uh, this is pretty much a Comic Con in itself. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so it's just it's just amazing uh, all the all the cons and how it's almost grassroots getting your name out there, going to each one, uh, having having the, the the postcards and the business cards with your product on it to, to get in people's minds so they remember you. Uh, Roy, how about you in the con circuit? Yeah, um, yeah, we've definitely seen the last, um, especially the last two to three years, a whole bunch of um, conventions pop up. And um, one thing that I, you know, actually, that I'm really happy about is there's also um, um, conventions that are also um, kind of targeted towards specific audiences as well. Too. So you have things like BlurredCon, you have things like you know uh, the Schomburg, um, you know, Black Comic Book Festival in um, in New York as well too. So I think that diversification, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really great for the industry where it's like you're getting not just the big ones, but you're getting this little niche cons as well too where, um, you know, the, the audience is, is specifically going out to look for a specific type of um, either a comic book or, you know, a, a product as well too. I just think it's great for the industry. Um, you know, there's there's been this, uh, you know, cloud, dark cloud above the comic book industry in terms of sales going down. Mm -hmm. it's, is you know print isn't a strong uh, but to see the rise in the, in these conventions i think it's 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 great for everyone it's great for the stores it's great for the movies it's it's great for the fans it's great for cosplay and it's great for awareness as well too i mean we're in a mall where um like he uh, in like he said uh, it, it's it's pretty much like a convention and anyone that walks in here is can just go to a table and uh, and oh it's free comic book day i can grab a free comic um, I think it's great, and also things like Free Comic Book Day too. It's, it, this is an amazing event where um, I think, especially for people that have either never read a comic or haven't read a comic in a while, it's easy to bring them back in 
and, and, and to just to grow the, the community and grow the industry as well. So it's, it's fantastic what's happening in the last two, three years. Absolutely. Um, all right. So that's all, that's all I have for serious questions. Um, I, w I was going to look for a show of hands for the audience to see if anybody had seen Infinity War. <laughs> hey, Scott, have you seen Infinity War yet? Infinity War? I'm not spoiling it for anybody. <laughs> um, biggest surprise from the movie? Oh, just one surprise? <laughs> Pick your favorite. Um, I mean, for me, uh, I would have to say the, the, the fact that um, certain characters I wouldn't expect to get offed being offed. Um, there are certain people I was going there to say, okay, these guys are definitely going to get killed. Uh -huh. But then it was like a total 180 from um, the people that, that, that I thought. And, and again, I know they're probably not dead. I mean, Spider-Man has a movie coming out. The Black Panther has a movie coming out, um, you know, in, in the next couple of years. But I mean, I, that still took me by surprise that those were the characters that um, got swiped up, so to speak, with um, Thanos' last um, snap of a finger. Uh, for me, that was the biggest one. Mark? The, the, the same thing. Um, <laughs> the, just the characters that they chose. Yeah. Um, I, I wasn't expecting it. Um, other than that, maybe um, Thor and Rocket Ra Raccoon was the bromance I didn't know that I wanted <laughs> until, <laughs> until I saw it. It wasn't the bromance we deserved, but it was the bromance we needed. Yeah. <laughs> um, did, you did you take your son with you? I did. How did, how did he take those last few minutes? <laughs> He, uh, so, so when it was over, he was like, that's it? We, I don't get an ending? <laughs> and and uh, I was like, no, there's going to be another part. And, and he was like, but I sat through three hours. <laughs> and I was like, I'm sorry. I, uh, I saw it before my son and... You know, watching the you know Mr. Stark, I don't want to go scene. I was like, oh yeah, that was yeah. I came home nervous. Crazy. Like I talked to my wife. I'm like, I know you're supposed to be taking taking <laughs> Logan on Sunday, but you know, I like I prepped my son. I was like, listen, it's gonna get sad. There's another <laughs> movie coming out in here. It's gonna be fine. <laughs> and I think that might have helped because he came home and he was like, yeah, no, it was all right. You know, it, I was a little sad about Spider Man, but I know it's gonna be okay. <laughs> that was that was uh, that was pretty. That was pretty. Uh, gut-wrenching um you know but um i mean kudos to marvel for you know doing something different and also taking a risk um in terms of well it's not really a risk because you know they're going to bring back spider-man i mean yeah. that's i mean but i mean just the fact that and this was a thanos movie uh thanos movie and um a lot of people don't the, as much as yes there's kind of like a sequel this is a standalone movie um the protagonist which is thanos Got, he got what he like he set out to do like it's a heist movie and he accomplished his goal and and, and that's I mean that's the way I took it obviously it's going to be harder for little kids to understand that um, but you know it was a Thanos movie um, and you know we got to see character growth throughout and you know accomplishing the goal whether I mean it was an evil one <laughs> yeah you know but um, one thing that I, I actually really appreciate is that as much as Thanos is the bad guy I did appreciate the way they they told this story and his motivation to pretty much commit mass genocide. Um, aside from the fact that he killed people, the reason behind that was you know pretty profound. Like yes, the universe is finite; there are finite resources. We're all going to die anyways. 
uh, why didn't I try to do something about it? Um, you know, so I thought that was really brave and bold as well, too. It, it definitely was a departure from his original motivation of just trying to get with death. It, right, yeah, which was, pretty, to me, ridiculous from the from the comics. You know. I don't know that that would have flown off the screen. <laughs> you know, right, not, yeah. not after Killmonger. Right, right, exactly, exactly, yeah, <sighs> right. But, um... Uh, what is the best? Uh, yeah, what is the best way to follow you guys online and keep up with your work? Um, yeah, you can follow me uh, at Unique Studios. That's Y O U N W E K and then the word Studios plural um, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and also UniqueStudios.com as well too. But on um, uh, Twitter, Instagram, I am at Coney Waves K O N I W A V E S. Uh, it's my very first comic book series, and then on Facebook, it's Mark Bolton Writing as well as my Etsy shop is Mark Polton writing. All right. I'd like to thank my guests, Mark Polton and Roya Okupe, and and Level Up for doing such a bang-up job of hosting Free Comic Book Day, as they do every year. Uh, Once again, my name is Dan Grote. You can follow me, if you like, on Twitter, at Daniel P. Grote. But uh, more importantly, check out WMQComics.com for all your comics news needs. Uh, Thank you guys so much for coming out. All right. Thank you. Thanks for having us. That's it for this week's show. As always, you can listen to WMQ&A on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at WMQComics.com, where new episodes move Monday mornings. Also, check out WMQComics.com for all your comics news, previews, reviews, interviews, and plain old views. And we'll see you next time.